0: Greetings to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of G&A, Gentleman, Novels, and Acumen, where we discuss the merits of conduct, classical takes, and the best hot tea this side of the pond. I am your host, Cecil Xavier, and this evening I am joined by two fine gentlemen. First, we have the dapper gentleman to my north, Zyberblood. How are you, good sir? I dare say, old chap. I'm doing dandy this fine evening. And yourself, good sir. If I were any better, it would be considered a crime. Last but not least, we are joined by our Carillion trickster to our south, Blue Shark. How are you, good man?
1: Oh, I've been enjoying this exceptional weather as always. Now, Cecil, we don't want to be having any of the
0: antics like last show, I presume. I dare not know what you could be referencing. Cecil, you know full well
2: what our Cessius friend speaks of. Cecil? Cecil?
0: Oh, all right. I'll refrain from any talk outside of the subject at hand. I'm sure at least a single member of the audience found my dissertation on cordyceps fungus as riveting as I found it. Did you know... Cecil! As we do
2: each episode, let's discuss the finer parts of our beverages of choice. I myself am drinking a oolong tea. Oolong tea is a traditional tea... Of the semi-oxidized sort, a Chinese tea produced through the process of withering the plants under strong sunlight and oxidizing before curling and twisting. Most oolong teas, especially those of finer quality, involve unique tea plant cultivars that are excessively used for particular varieties. But I prefer just a dab of honey to add to its taste. It has a slightly floral with grassy finish to light or not too full-bodied. But adding a dab of honey rather enhances the fl- flora flavor for me. Blue Shark, what are you drinking, my fine, burly shrewd? Huh. Ah oh, ah! Oh.
1: Shrewd! I have not been called that recently. Myself, I have been trying a new type of tea.
2: Venturing outside the proverbial box,
1: I presume. You could say that, my good man.
0: I fully expected you to say you found a blue tea.
2: Surely you jest. Do they make those? I'm sure we could talk to Airbus and they could oblige. Now, now,
1: don't be rude. This is a family show. Well, gentlemen, I'm partaking in a tea that also comes from the Camellia sinensis. It's harvested in the spring and combined with the Sambobrigan, or in the more vernacular, green tea with lemongrass. Steeped in three minutes in fresh water at 85 degrees Celsius, this blended tea comes to the colliculus Teresius with a mellow citrus flavor to overcome the natural bitterness of the green tea. Personally, I prefer to add in fresh mint leaf and a few drops of honey for a fresh, sweet sensation across my colliculus Teresius. I recommend this blended tea to anyone who wants to take advantage of the medicinal properties of the Camellia Sinensis. Additionally, you may want to add ginseng if you desire a ginger taste to your tea. But beware that no medical journal has proven the tall tales of its benefits. Well that is a step outside the norm. Well how about you old man? What have you chosen for today's show? I've picked
0: one of the finer teas.
2: Oh god, not again.
0: A tea that is far superior to all of the teas. You better say
1: breakfast.
0: I'm drinking... Earl Grey. Grey. Why, yes, yes I am. Predictable. This is a finer blend from a small shop out of Bolston Spa, New York. A Dutch tea? No, no, that's Old York. This Earl Grey has a fine citrus flavor with a smooth but bold kick. This is a rather aromatic tea with a strong essence of bergamot oil. The best way to describe the attack is a full-bodied sweet orange blossom with a finish being strong black tea. If you hadn't had Earl Grey before, it is a must-try.
1: This is the 10th time you've had Earl Grey on this show.
2: 14? What was that? 14th time Cecil has had Earl Grey on the show. That's not
0: counting the unaired shows. Then I shall avoid repeating that for the next show. Zyber, what is 235 times 64? 15,040, of course. Good man, good
2: man.
1: Did everyone get a chance to read the classic novel,
2: For Whom the Bell Tolls? I did manage to read the lyrics.
0: Uh, Lyrics? What lyrics? For Whom the Bell Tolls. For Whom the Bell Tolls, a novel published in October of 1940.
1: Written
2: by Ernest Hemingway. Oh, that makes sense. I thought it was strange that we were doing a music review of Metallica's song from the 1984 album Ride the Lightning.
0: So you didn't read the book?
2: Oh, of course I read the book. Heavenway is
0: one of my favorite classical authors. Oh, obscenity. Obscenity is right. Who would like to give a quick synopsis of the novel? Quick is not a word
2: to describe what this novel requires. Hemingway did a fantastic job capturing the turmoil of the Spanish Civil War in this book. Coming in at 471 pages, we follow the recent mission of Robert Jordan. An American college instructor in Spain... And demolitions expert. Jordan meets a group of rebels fighting the fascists. Jordan is tasked with blowing up a bridge as part of an attack. The demolition of the bridge is to cut off enemy troops from being able to get reinforcements and cut off their route of escape. This tale is riddled with intrigue, deception, love, and conflict. Hemingway pulled from his time as a reporter For the North American newspaper Alliance during the Spanish Civil War to write this novel. Sharing his experience through his choice of words.
1: Let's talk about the character Robert Jordan. Jordan is made out to be a man's man, a leader, a lover and a bearer of much death.
0: Death and war was a recurring theme throughout the novel. That it was. Jordan even
2: thought he was an American. Bloody American. Even though Jordan was an American, he was able to face and overcome many adversities through his life. Being an expert in... Demolitions. Jordan is not an accustomed to taking a life. Him in a way goes on to explain the value of human life throughout, but never really gives a firm stance on his acceptance of taking a life. When Jordan has an initial conversation with El Salmo, an elderly guide that Jordan first meets, El Salmo states that he would rather not take a life. But, well, if he is ordered to, Jordan uses this later to give El Salmo
0: a way to rationalize his killing. Jordan himself even stated that he felt an exhilaration from killing, but his stance is more of a soldier, killing when it is a necessity, not for sport. True. Jordan did take that stance, but
2: it could be argued that Jordan liked killing. Why else would an instructor choose to be a demolitions expert? Maybe to support the cause. True.
1: Jordan has faced death on many occasions. Throughout the war, Jordan has met with death and come away. This gave Jordan a different view on life. He truly tried to live each day as if it were his last. It's only when he decides to plan for the future with Maria that Jordan starts actually looking past his assignment at hand.
0: Maria is one of the group of anti-fascist guerrilla fighters, along with Pablo, the aging leader of the group, who was a wine fetish. Pilar, the wife of Pablo, uh, and real leader of the group. Raphael, the gypsy, well, need we say more. Augustine, a foul-mouthed member of the group, as well as Primitivo, who is a young member of the guerrilla group. The group before Jordan arrived was well versed in each other. Shortly after Jordan arrived, the unrest and lack of respect the gypsy Raphael showed Pablo behind his back bubbled up. Jordan was again faced with death as he had to decide if it was a right to terminate the leader Pablo or not, wrestling with the idea many times throughout the book. Pablo
1: was a cold man at times. Not apologetic for his actions, Pablo was a man that, although aging, was truly made for war. In the earlier chapters, Jordan is given a story about Pablo's involvement in the mass execution of fascists in one of the small towns. Lining up each fascist of the town, he had a gang of participants carry bludgeoned weapons and beat the fascists as he walked towards the cliff. And additionally, Pablo sat by and watched as the townsfolk ripped out fascists and even Catholics out of the local church and guided them to their death. Pablo's take on death was much more casual than Jordan or Anselmo.
0: Then there was the concept of how each character dealt with death. Pablo and Jordan both drank, heavily, to cope with the amount of death they have seen. This asks the moral question
2: of death and war.
1: Questions like, what's the difference between a lion and a giraffe?
2: What? Well, no, but what? is the difference between a lion and a giraffe. The giraffe has a long neck. Oh, very good. Oh, (laughs) God. Good show. But on
1: a serious note, there was an obscene amount of drinking of alcohol in this book. Every time you turn a page, Jordan or Pablo were drinking. Drinking
2: to remember, and drinking to forget. And yes, Jordan himself... He was an absolute expert in demolitions. He was almost a nerd about it. Quite.
1: With Jordan being such an expert, you would expect that he would be able to toy with the fascists. Like playing a game with them. Yes, old boy. As if playing a game with them.
2: You know, chaps, that would make a great show. What? Games, nerds, and alcohol? Right?
1: Nah. (laughs) Only the bloody Americans would do that.
0: There will be no talk of games, nerdy things, nor libations of the alcohol kind on this show. We are not savages. Quite right. I must have lost my
2: bearings. Please carry on. Where were we? Oh yes,
1: let us explore some more of the finer details of this novel. Hemingway used foreshadowing in so many ways. From simple things like Pablo calling it a bad plan, to the more mystical with Pilar rooting out Robert Jordan being wounded at the end of this book.
0: Good point, man. Hemingway really did hide those subtle clues throughout the book. Like the persistent use of hairs.
2: Hairs? They were military. Even Maria didn't have much hair.
0: Don't be daft. I'm referring to the small, hairy, four-legged animals you find in the wild.
1: Ah. I'll leave that alone, shall I?
0: Uh, Anyway... El Sordo uses the image of skinned rabbits to show the vulnerability of man before the death machines of war. Hemingway also
2: used the term rabbit to show the vulnerability with Maria and Jordan. Jordan started calling Maria rabbit.
1: That same action showed that Jordan felt that he was much better than Maria, placing himself as the fox and Maria as the
0: hare. Oh, I don't think I ever thought of it that way. Cecil,
2: if you have x plus open parenthesis x plus one close parenthesis minus 129, solve for x. x equals 64. Please try harder. Ah, what are both numbers?
0: This isn't grade school. (sighs) Ah. X equals 64, and X plus 1 equals 65.
1: Classic Cecil. Only a half the solution.
0: Back to the hare, shall we? Hairs were a reoccurring theme in other, multiple ways. One way that stuck out was the use of a hare to show the vulnerability of the group when Raphael goes looking for a couple of hares. The team, left vulnerable, is spotted by a cavalry soldier. The subtle use of the hair again Hemingway's masterful use of literary symbolism is a subtle note to the vulnerability of the camp and group
1: Let us move to the more grim motif
0: in Hemingway's work What could be more grim than war and death? Taxes? Suicide! Oh that! I tried that once didn't stick
2: If ever you don't succeed... Call for help. Well, this is tone grim, hasn't it?
1: Hemingway wasn't that grim. Hemingway has several of his characters contemplate suicide. Kharkov and even Robert Jordan himself face suicide at some
0: point in the book. And Kharkov is? Good God, man! I thought you read the book! While I did, there could be members of the audience that neglected to do so. Oh, right.
1: Kharkov is a Soviet agent and a journalist in Madrid that is a friend of Robert Jordan. Kharkov has remarked about having a pill that he could take if it came to it.
0: it. Came to what? Came
1: to needing to take the long way out. Oh, is he going somewhere? The Great Unknown... Oh, you mean America. (sighs) Yes, Cecil. Kharkov is taking a pill to go to America. That pill
0: must taste horrible.
1: (sighs) The traits of these characters who contemplate suicide connect the act of suicide to weakness. For example, Robert Jordan's father is characterized as weak, Maria is young and female, and Karkoff is a man of ideas, not action. At the end of the novel, Robert Jordan contemplates suicide, but rejects the idea, preferring to struggle to stay awake despite the pain that he feels from his wounds. Robert Jordan's reliance on his inner strength in his rejection of suicide contrasts with the other characters' weaknesses, which demonstrates, ultimately, that the will to continue living requires psychological strength. What does
0: suicide and going to America have in common? What, Cecil? Uh, I don't know. I was hoping you could tell me. Oh, God. That, ladies and gentlemen, brings this episode of Gentleman Novels and Acumen to a close, as always, we hope you were entertained by our musings. As always, you can follow us at your local gentleman's establishment, cigar shop, or tea house. If you would like to write us a note or letter, you can address your postage to 221 B. Baker Street, London, England. Please keep your notes brief, as we do not have much time to read on the show. Um, thistle? Um, yes, Iber. What was the address? Uh, Our address? Yes? 221 B Baker Street, London England?
2: That's
1: Sherlock Holmes' address.
0: Quite. Oh, you've got me. Trying to put in a last minute joke. Always the prankster. I didn't think that you would deduce my ruse.
1: How often have I said to you that when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth? You are
0: impossible sometimes.
1: Our actual address is Westminster, London, Southwest 1A, 1AA, United Kingdom.
0: Thank you, my azure friend. This show tonight was brought to you by Marmite. Marmite is a yeast extract food spread that goes good on bread, pastries, and meat pies. Marmite on meat pies.
2: As the Americans would say, don't knock it
0: till you've tried it. Have a great evening, ladies and gentlemen. Quite. Good evening, all. April Fools. April Fools. We hope you enjoyed. Sorry. We hope you enjoyed the show, GNA, Games, Nerds, and Alcohol, April Fools episode. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Reviews help people find the show. So if you enjoy listening to us, let other people know. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Podcast Addict, Player FM, Stitcher, Spreaker, MyTuner, YourListen, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and a whole bunch of other places. If we aren't someplace, let us know. We'll upload there.
1: You can also follow us on Twitter or Facebook by searching at GNA You can also join our Discord chat. Just see the
2: pinned tweet. We do a game show night every first Saturday of every month on Mixer at www.mixer.com forward slash GNA Podcast.
0: Join us every Wednesday night at 19.30 Eastern Time on cast.gg for Anime Night, hosted by Blue Shark 45
1: and join us every second Saturday of the month for Horror Movie Night, hosted by Zyberblood.
2: Our next two movies will be Mutant and The Ticks.
0: We want to thank Morgan BS Photography for our artwork and logo. Check him out at MorganBS.com. And please email
1: us at gnapodcast at gnainyourdna.one with all your questions, comments, or death threats. We would love to hear from you. And last but not least, please be sure to check out our website at www.gnapodcast.com.
0: I love really we got that, man, your your claps always sound like you're just beating meat right there. Like it, it like you you gotta like get those hands together, man. Like really give them a go.